Hello and welcome to the Euractive Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. I'm Julia Dam. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractive's Agri-Food News Team. So first of all, we're very happy this week uh, to be rejoined by Tash, who we were missing dearly last time. It was, uh, it was quite well, weird to record with us. Let's too. stop this fast. I mean... <laughs> No, no, no! She, keep going. I she, like it. She was the, she, 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 she was the guest last week. Yeah, but I mean, did not, you not miss me dearly? Julia missed me dearly. What about you, Gerardo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, that was not convincing. I, I introduced you as the soul of uh, the podcast. <laughs> oh, I know. I listened. I appreciate yeah, it. Let's let's remember this. <laughs> well, thank goodness I'm back. I'm never missing another episode. It broke my heart. So. The, the, don't commit to something. <laughs> no, but um, honestly, not many podcast hosts uh, could actually say that they that, um, that they were also uh, guests of the podcast. That it's true. Had. It's true. Wow, I have so many hats. Thank yeah, goodness. yeah. I'm amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You want you you also want to produce? I don't know you actually produced in in the beginning. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I edited as well. So yeah, it's uh, gosh. Gosh. Multitasked, uh, multitasked. Podcast. multitasked <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> but, um, and actually, Tash came back to the AgriFood Hub. As the AgriFood world was collapsing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have the impression that I left for three days. I was said, you know, I'm going for a few days. I took a slight hiatus as well from Agri reporting. I was like, you know, three days. How much can change in three days? That's fine. Came back. <sighs> Everything is exploding. Everything I thought was sure has just yeah. dis- dissipated. I was I was talking with the with other colleagues and uh, we agreed that the Agrifish Council on Monday was one of the most important in the mm. in the past years. Um, a lot going on, and also with a very dense uh, agenda. No? Mm. They talk about everything. Of course, I mean it's uh, it's. A reaction, um, considering what's happening in Ukraine, basically. Mm. But the impact uh, has been—I'd say even uh, even bigger than COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's had huge, like very far-reaching ramifications on the agri-food sector. Indeed, let's start with uh, one of the biggest topic this week: the famous postponement. I say the famous because we we joked on this on Twitter, but also on. Uh, in our reporting, I'd say, mm. um, the postponement postponement of the SUD directive, the sustainable use of, uh, that actually has become regulation. Yeah, that, that's another thing because, I mean, we... I'm telling you, it's all changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we anticipated, uh, we had this leak uh, mm. some weeks ago and they basically told us that it's completely different now. Uh, indeed, there's another leak circulating. Uh, anyway, it's probably changed also the legal basis now it's a regulation no longer a directive so leaving um more uh, more space to the member state mm. um the problem is that the postponement has been <laughs> denied <laughs> by the commission we can't call a spade a spade here yeah. in brussels <laughs> it's not possible <laughs> No, um, but I think I mean. We, what's we the correct about, term then? Uh, belated. What, I don't know. They, they didn't. They didn't seem to commit to a term. They just. They just. Well, shall we hear from them in their own words what they said um, when I asked them about this at the press conference this week? Yeah, yeah. 
the date of proposals to be discussed and adopted by the college is only determined the previous day when the heads of cabinet uh, meet and discuss to prepare the college agenda. So um, this shouldn't lead you to infer that we had postponed the proposal if you saw it as an indicative item to be discussed by the college at a certain date. Yeah, that, that was a bit, um, even the position of the commissioner, of the commissioner Stella Kiriakides, uh, the food safety commissioner at the Agrifish Council was a bit mm. ambiguous. A bit ambiguous. <laughs> yeah, she, she was saying something, um, and actually the minister, agriculture <laughs> minister, um, De Normandy, uh, try to extrapolate. Yeah, he was our best ally there because yeah. we're all sitting there thinking, all right, so tell us what's actually happening. What date is being, you know, talk yeah, to yeah. us straight. Kiriakide said that the date was not yet decided, like the, when the draft directive uh, would be tabled. On the Monday. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm I'm quoting, yeah, on the Monday for the Wednesday. Yeah. And I'm quoting uh, here uh, what she said. One could argue that the generalized geopolitical uncertainty at this point doesn't allow this proposal on the sustainable use of pesticide, the political space it needs for further proper discussion and reflection. Yeah. So what we're hearing is it's not coming on Wednesday. Yeah, that's this what is that's not happening. That's what the Normandy yeah. uh, was referring to. <laughs> She said, he said, basically, he gave it a good crack, didn't he? Uh, so uh, from, what I from what I understood, you're not going to present the the pesticide uh, framework. And she still evaded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then I also asked um, um, Commissioner Wojciechowski in the, in the press conference uh, this very question. So basically, if it's postponed or not. And he also <laughs> replied with a very, um, not ambiguous, I mean, it was quite direct but still he said there's no pesticide uh discussion at the next college meeting yeah we again there are uh eu specialized journalists reporting uh, there were in 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 the in the same room so they understood but it, it's pure jargon because mm. what does it mean college meeting college meeting is the meeting between all the commissioners uh, on Wednesday, every Wednesday, in which they decide which kind, which kind of uh, initiative uh, they would communicate to the press, to the um, to the EU citizens, actually. Uh, so they basically, it was basically saying, uh, yeah, we postpone it. Although, as we heard from uh, Dana, it's not really a postponement, but... Yeah. No word, word for what it is. It's it's not a postponement because they didn't definitely decide the date. So therefore, it's just that under an an undecided undecidedment. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a word. <laughs> the point like is now outside of the time space continuum at the moment. This uh, this piece of law. It's yeah. Yeah. Void. <laughs> yeah. The, the the point is that now we don't really know when this um, pesticide directive will be unveiled. Mm. Although it's true that Commissioner Stella Kiriakides in her speech this week, speaking in, in Prague, um, did say that the Commission would adopt a proposal on the sustainable use of pesticides in the coming weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's very vague as well. 
they learned from uh, <laughs> from the previous experience. Never, never give, uh, never give a day. Never give a day. No, but the point is that the situation is is um, it's quite hectic at the moment. So um, technically, there's no a problem uh, with presenting the Sud or the Sur, uh, whatever is the new legal basis. Um, because, I mean, it's a long-term strategy. Mm. So, uh, again, it's, there's no really uh, reason. But it's true that it could give uh, a contradictory um, message. Because mm. on Wednesday, when the, the suit directly was supposed to be presented, there was the food uh, security communication by the commission in which they also derogate on the use of uh, certain pesticides. They, uh, uh, Wojciechowski was quite clear in, in, in this uh, regard. They want to, uh, at least for this year, uh, try to produce as much as yeah as much as possible basically technically whatever because yeah. they also they also derogate on the use of uh, of setting aside uh, uh, and also the use of fallow so i mean mm. um it could have given some contradictory messages because uh, they i mean with with one directive or regulation uh they push in one direction and at the same time they present some derogation yeah, I definitely would have would have opened it up at least for a lot of criticism. I think as well for like mixed messages on the same day or. That's why you asked the question uh, exactly, to, to the commission exactly because I mean uh, that's why the reason you postpone it and there's nothing again. Uh, they are a communication experts, so they they mm. have to cope with this kind of. Uh, they have to anticipate. Uh, the point is now. I mean, what is important? You know, putting aside the. Um, controversial aspects. It's when they're gonna again, when they're gonna present it because the situation is changing. Mm. Uh, there's the risk of uh, of uh, yesterday we were at a meeting with uh, with uh, some uh, commission official. There's also the risk of stagflation, so stagnation and inflation, um, and this could technically have long, very long consequences. So. If they didn't want to present anything at this time being on pesticide because of uh, a contradictory message, uh, there could also be a scenario in which the the contest is not changed in the coming weeks. Hmm. Uh, there's a, a leaked agenda of the commission says before summer. Before summer is another <laughs> very vogue uh, hmm. um date, let's say. Well, Commissioner Kirikida is also in her speech was saying about how she really counts on the Czech presidency to advance the work on this file. Yeah, Czech presidency so, is uh, so. from, Ju uh, from July, actually. Because so the, the current... Doesn't sound like coming weeks to me, if that's the... It's also true that in the moment they present... Uh, and actually, it's, it's a very good uh, hint. Uh, right, reading between the lines. yeah. You know, I mean. uh, no, no, no. I mean, it's it's the added value of having Tash here instead of that. instead of what <laughs> instead of, of having Erin Grease uh, doing uh, other stuff. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's true. So presidency means uh, that uh, French. Pre I also, the I mean, it's vague. She could also mean you know continuing to support it, or I mean, it's open enough that it doesn't suggest that it's necessarily them, but. 
Those two things taken together. It's also so that she she happened to be in Prague. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, she was in Prague. Exactly. So obviously it makes sense. But you know what I mean? No, anyway. no. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, there's enough of our musings on there. Uh, on the postponement of uh, this directive, but we actually spoke to uh, a few people to hear their take on the postponement and what this means, the impact this could have. Um, and so um, let's hear from Marilda Dascali. And so she's the EU Agriculture Policy Officer at BirdLife Europe to hear what she had to say. So the delays to nature protection package that were announced uh, will have an after effects for the future of agriculture, nature and people. And the long-term sustainability of food system and peace is at stake. By doing so, the Commission is totally ignoring the calls of 13,000 citizens, 166 environmental NGOs, more than 400 scientists, and also many environmental ministers. And the Commission is postponing legislation meant to put us on the right tracks towards long-term solutions, by using the ongoing war in Ukraine, which needs short-term actions. We know that the political procedures for a new or revised legislation takes at least one or two years' time. And now is the time to have these discussions, because we see how vulnerable our food system are. We cannot postpone their transformation. We need to make the necessary changes and adapt our societies to further crises. Continuing the dirty practices now with the hope that we will do the right things later somehow never works. This narrative is what's hindering us to take the right political decisions and actions. At a certain point, the Commission, the Member States, will have to make bold choices and stop poisoning the ecosystems and humans, restore nature and its functionalities, because there's the only way to be resilient. Otherwise, there's only chaos, famine, floods, droughts that is waiting for us. And we also spoke with Olivier de Matos, who is the Director General of CropLife Europe, to hear his take on the postponement of the SUD. First of all, I'd like to make clear that our industry has not been calling for a delay in the publication of the Sustainable Use Directive revision. We are eager to contribute to the discussions on the proposal once it's released. It would be another opportunity to exchange views and openly promote the innovative agricultural tools and technologies that will be essential for a sustainable and secure food supply. We understand the delay in the announcement, but we don't believe it's about shelving the sustainability agenda. Interim measures will need to be applied due to the war in Ukraine, but climate change remains a great threat to food security. Sustainability biodiversity and agriculture can and actually must coexist. If we can agree on this fundamental principle, then the remaining question is how. Of course, the war creates enormous uncertainty over the how. But that surely just makes the need to find solutions more urgent, rather than abandoning our efforts altogether. The fundamentals of the farm to fork strategy are sound, but to meet its requirements, Farmers and their suppliers need a supportive EU regulatory environment for innovation to allow them to produce sufficient food sustainably. As an industry, we're doing our part. We are accelerating our efforts around innovation to provide solutions that will enable farmers to overcome lots of challenges. CropLife Europe is keen to engage in a broader dialogue and help provide the solutions.
And so we already hinted this week about the communication on the, the commission's communication on food security. Um, and so what happened? What what happened in this communication this week, Gerardo? Are you asking to me? Yeah, I'm asking to you. You actually don't uncover it. <laughs> food security is basically the new keyword. Actually, we we said that uh, with the Yulia last week. Hmm, I heard. So it's not new. Huh? People that are loyal to the to the AgriFood podcast already know that. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so basically the commission presented this new uh, communication, which basically put together all the things that uh, were reported in the past week. So basically the measures that the commission is mm-hmm. going to uh, adopt. Uh, for the um, for relieving the burden to farmers and technically consumers. Mm. Um, now we're going to talk about that. Yeah. But um, the measure are basically private storage aid for the uh, the big uh, sector, the big. Uh, Which we've been talking about for for a long time, really. Yeah, struggling, yeah. struggling sector. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of um. Well, uh, yeah, there's a correlation with Ukraine, but again, it's something that was uh, already discussed uh, since October. Mm. Um, there are also other measures. This uh, this uh, 500 uh, billion fund, uh, partially funded with the Price Reserve Fund, fund mm. which is the first time that it's been triggered. Uh, yeah, which is a which is a big deal, actually. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's also a bit controversial because in the end you're basically subtracting some cap funds to other sector in order to relieve other sector industries. No such thing as a free meal. Yeah, no, indeed, mm. indeed. Probably yeah. a good headline. Four, anyway. four. Okay. okay. <laughs> the interesting part is that all these measures are related to the food security aspect, and it was said, but it's it's written in the communication. It was said by Dombrovskis, the vice president attending the press conference, and by Ivo Chegovsky, the agriculture commissioner, that the food security aspect um, will affect mostly third countries, not EU citizens. There are some uh, very high concern when it comes to Tunisia, Egypt, uh, Mm, country North North Africa. Uh, they are highly dependent on uh, mm-hmm. Ukraine wheat, for instance, uh, but even the, in the Balkans. Mm. Um, so, but in the end, for this kind of, I mean, the the EU is a is an net exporter of of food stuff. Uh, there's no such a problem in terms of uh, food security for you for the EU, but there might be a problem in terms of food affordability mm. for low-income uh, people in the EU. Mm. Which is, yeah, I mean, we have the, basically we have the food, but the poorest and the most vulnerable may be unable to access it. You know, that was the crux, I think, of the kind of the, the conclusion of the communication. I literally said, you know, food supply is not at stake in the EU today. Very, you know, literally in bold as well in the communication. Um... Which is interesting when you consider the enormous focus. I mean, I would say that the you know the overwhelming focus really in the discussions, in the press conferences, even in the technical briefings, you know, beforehand, was on in increasing production. 
still. You know, how can we make more food? Is, is, is you know, we talked about these derogations. There's derogations on the ecological focus areas on growing as much as you as we spoke about just now, um, which is interesting if you consider the fact that they are saying that we're not going to have a food supply problem in the EU. I mean, obviously, I can understand it in the sense of compensating for loss elsewhere, which is you know what they've spoken about in North Africa, um, but it does seem to be that the the main concern is that people are not going to be just can't afford it with the like skyrocketing prices. Um, they highlighted especially for low income households for refugees for incredibly vulnerable people um and so actually i asked the commission you know is some people are saying basically there's a misplaced amount of focus on production of food rather than trying to increase accessibility um and i asked um the commission about this and this is what commissioner wojciechowski had to say thank you uh and i can add only that's that's uh, of course this communication is um dominated by the, by the agricultural uh, um, uh, problems and the problem how to increase uh, agricultural production, food production, especially this year, because in this specific sit- dramatic situation, uh, we need more, more uh, food in European Union this year, especially this year, because the lack of the import from Ukraine because the problems with uh, refugees is, is no, no problem, but we have additional consumers. Refugees are additional consumers in, in, in European Union. We need to deliver food for them. And actually, um, we spoke with Pauline Constant um, from Buick, so that's the European Consumer Organization, about this risk um, to consumers. And this, here's what she had to say. Media headlines about the war in Ukraine's impact on food supply have left many EU consumers worrying about potential food shortages. We've recently seen scenes of consumers in several EU countries rushing to the shops to stock up on pasta, flour and vegetable oils. But the Commission made it very clear, we will have enough food. As such, there is no need for consumers to hoard food. This will only serve to artificially empty supermarket shelves and push prices further up. Access to food is another issue, though. At times when energy bills are going through the roof, many consumers are at risk of not being able to afford food if prices keep going up. So we are glad that the European Commission encouraged governments to buffer consumers against food poverty through social policy and fiscal measures. It actually echoes some calls by consumer groups in Spain and Germany, for instance, who have respectively appealed to their governments to hand out food vouchers or apply 0% VAT on fruit, vegetables and pulses. So now the ball is in the court of the member states and we count on them to act swiftly. But let's be clear that food prices had starting, started going up before the war. The farm to fork strategy can help keeping food affordable for all by reducing the EU's dependence on imports of energy, fertilizers and feed. So let's not wait any longer for rolling it out. But let's be clear, food prices had started going up before the war. The farm to fork strategy can help keeping food affordable for all by reducing the EU's dependence on imports of energy, fertilizers and feed. So let's not wait any longer for rolling it out. Again, it's an interesting topic because um... We had some talk with the EU officials. Uh, can we name them? No, 
No, we can't. Really? I don't think so. You officials. <laughs> um, and I basically asked, I mean, how to cope with the potential increase in, uh, in uh, um, uh, you know, problematic for this kind of low-income household. Uh, and the answer was quite, um, you know, genuine. Mm. The, com- not the, but the European agricultural policy is a, a policy that the thing that could, could do are related to the production, mm. are supported production, even the subsidies, uh, you know, the coupled uh, subsidies, only kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, the only um, effect they could have are basically on the side of the production, no? Mm. It is well known. There are no so many tools when it comes to the social aspect. We know that they're trying to introduce this uh, third pillar through the social conditionality in the, in the next gap, mm. uh, starting from 2023. It's true that social conditionality is still something related to the production. I mean, it's the fair production, let's say. Um, but uh, there are some measures in the food communication, like some kind of reduction on VAT, which is basically the only thing that you can do. Mm. Uh, and uh, suggesting the member state to to have an eye, t- take an eye on the retail prices and so on. But other than that, the EU can do anything. Mm. It's, it's the realm of uh, member states. It's their competence. And I also asked some diplomat that I know that I can that I cannot mention. Um, they basically told me that at a certain point we need to think about, uh, in case this, the situation worsens, uh, we can we have to think about where from where uh, we could raise this money to, for instance, support the energy bill, but also the food bill. Uh, the, the so, uh, kind of food bill um, of uh, people affected uh, if the Ukraine war will, will, will impact the uh, final consumers. Hmm. Uh, but again, I, it's good to say that at the moment, at this, at this moment, the, the European agricultural policy doesn't um, have tool to address social policy aspects for mm. consumers and for farmers too. Doesn't yet have this third pillar. This, um, the third pillar, yeah. It's, it's interesting because it kind of ties into, the, I mean, for a long time, NGOs and civil society have been calling more for a common food policy, right? That's supposed to be a more holistic, for a transition to a sustainable food system, you know, as opposed to the common agricultural policy. And I feel like it's an interesting... Uh, yeah, they wanted a commissioner for food. If food, I, rather It's than also true that before the end of a commission uh, they ask uh, for a commission for everything so uh, i remember that the some stakeholders also asked for the commission for well-being and all this kind of stuff so uh yeah but uh, but it's true that uh, this was the main angle but it's interesting how the war has shown how food policy is really interrelated with all kinds of stuff i mean we already had this kind of geopolitical turn where people really were made aware of the geopolitical dimension of uh, agriculture and food policy and then we have the social policy uh, interconnection yeah. that's, that, we, that we see here 
it's really placing agriculture at the crossroads of all of our major major issues you know economic social ah, yeah, yeah, ecological yeah. i mean it, it's i think we all well we knew we're, we're in the agri-food world we know that it's at the center of all of these where all these you know issues join and mix but i think it's becoming more obvious to everyone else as well at this point even actually on you know security policy because um this week actually um Janusz Wojciechowski, the agriculture commissioner, he was talking about how agriculture is becoming more and more a security policy, not just not just defense and even on, you know, he's compared it to energy as well, which is obviously clearly becoming a security, you know, seen through the eyes of security. He's saying agriculture is exactly the same thing. So it's kind of changing the way that people view the agri-food sector and the importance of it. Indeed, we assume that energy uh, include all these aspects, uh, geopolitical, as uh, Julia uh, well mm. mentioned, or, or uh, security aspects, uh, as Tash was mentioning. Um, but um, we don't assume the same for... We should assume the same. Well, we should assume, because actually, I mean, uh, food prices are uh, commodity markets, yeah. Hmm. So they are they are influenced by currency, by and also I mean the you know the the, the food goods are very peculiar commodity and uh, again geopolitical terms. I mean, yeah, it's finding itself caught in the crossfire increasingly of every geopolitical major geopolitical. Ah, of course. I mean the, the between different trade of, sanctions and. Yeah. Export bans. Well, before and, before uh, yeah. the twentieth century, most of the wars were conducted because of uh, food. Uh, no, I mean food is we're really a resource. We're really pushing our own yeah, propaganda yeah, yeah, here. Like we're important. <laughs> you should read us. You should listen to us. <laughs> it's it's the agri food promotion. No, right, guys, really we're important. Mutually and objectively, guys, agri food is important. Yeah. And and particularly the agri food journalists. The agri food journalists. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, what's going on, you know? So, no, but it's true, guys. I never had so many retweets as. Uh, as oh, is that uh, how you I, count? Yeah, important. Yeah. Wow. As when I, oh, I basically, I tweeted something from Wojciechowski. They got uh, like uh, I, I don't even remember the engagement, but it's close you to the million. Do remember the engagement? Don't lie. You remember the engagement on Twitter? So the. Yeah, oh all the retreats, <laughs> close to me to a million, and also I mean your story on the. Oh yeah, of... bring me in as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try and justify your uh, your self promotion. No, but it's true that, for instance, uh, ah, it's it's what uh, Julia also covered uh, some weeks ago, the G seven meeting uh, on agriculture. No, so it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's quite uh, relevant now, uh, so we're uh, we're back. We're cool, yeah, we're cool. We're cool we're, again. We're cool. Again. This, this Make agri-food the... great again. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe this reference is a bit too much. So so far, the flavors of the week have been a bit dominated by sweet things like chocolate with sugar, or at least one so you could put in desserts or often go in desserts like cinnamon so this week we thought it, uh, it might be time to spice things up a little so we're actually talking about pepper oh not a dessert 
spicy. Well, it could be. It could go into chocolate, but usually not. We were um, torn torn about the possibility to sing sugar, da, da, da. but then we decided. I, ju- I just did you it. just did okay. it. Okay. You might as well just follow through <laughs> with it. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, the reason that we're talking about pepper is also uh, that this week the marks actually a joyous occasion in the realm of pepper, and uh, we have Gerardo to bring us all the info. Yeah, what could that be, Gerardo? Because if it's me, it's because of geographical indication, of course. <laughs> Your trademark. Uh, it Your was trademark. <laughs> uh, it was um, the penja pepper. Penja pepper. From Cameroon. I hope it's the right pronunciation. Mm. Because I normally check on uh, some websites. Are you saying you didn't do your homework? No, I didn't. <laughs> 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 Th- thanks okay. for for making me feel bad about you're it you're welcome i don't think it's pain yeah it's penja i mean um, i i live in the i think the, the least you say it the best i know i, li- I live in, i live in the african district uh, of brussels so basically i i, oh, I so you're an expert oh. are you <laughs> no i'm not an expert but i i hear the sound no mm. i i think that the this is penja all right well tell us about penja then Pinch of pepper is a is a pepper. <laughs> and that sounds like the start of the. Uh, you probably remember step. that there was some kind of race, some weeks some weeks some years ago, between um, which I mean which kind of African products would have been granted with the GI protection in the EU. And there was a race between um, rooibos, which is a tea. Kind oh, of I tea. love that tea. I mean, it's not a tea. You point at me as if like the British the, one will know the all tea about expert, tea. Yeah, it's true. That I <laughs> but do. I, but no, no, but actually, rooibos is more a Dutch. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, it's nice though. The argan oil from Morocco mm. and the penja pepper, and in the end, the winner was <laughs> rooibos. Oh. It was the first uh, GIs uh, recognized in the EU. Um, but Pencha Pepper be, became the second one. Uh, this week, uh, uh, again, it was awarded with the Geographical Protection, protection uh, which is basically the highest uh, quality scheme in uh, in the EU. So it was uh, it was a very good achievement, mm-hmm. and also it's part of the. Um, the attempt to increase the relationship between Africa and the EU through GIs. Uh, so basically, the European Union is uh, giving uh, African countries, and particularly the African Intellectual Property Office, uh, the expertise to pursue, um, you know, the to 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 increase the the quantity of geographic indications because I mean it's uh, it's it's one of of the big uh, uh, it doesn't seem like that but yes it's it's a success story it's like Erasmus geographic indication it's a it's a success story of the European Union it's giving a lot of added value to food stuff um, so the cooperation between Africa and, and the EU is also made through. Not penja pepper, but <laughs> geographic indication. Geographic. A lot of weight on that pepper's shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> but let's come back to the topic of our, I, I said my boring stuff. 
I'm fine. Classic. Yeah. I'm done for this week. Great. Oh, perfect. Let's move to the fun stuff, shall we? But while, because while um, this pepper is, is the first one in Africa, it's actually not the first type of pepper to receive the protected origin status because there's already two from two regions um, in Asia. So um, from the south of Cambodia, we have the Kampot pepper, which is also quite a fun, quite like these <laughs> these names, which is actually um, used specifically uh, in a signature dish from the region, the Kampot pepper crab. Which I'd also like to try, where crab meat is stir fried in sweetened soy, soy sauce with garlic and pepper. Like I said, there's a very good Cambodian uh, restaurant in Bangkok. Oh, really? so next time you come, uh, Julia, we go all together. We go and ask her. Oh, we can do the podcast. Promise. She's just promised something. Quite <laughs> we can big. do the podcast live from there. Mm. <laughs> also, because normally we record it either at dinner time or lunch time. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> There's actually also a rum that's spiced with Kampot red pepper. So what we could do is go for a Kampot special. Or we can we can ask the Cambodian embassy to provide us with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, there's actually another one from uh, the second Asian region is from the well, this is a name. Wow. Okay, the Shim oh gosh, I'm gonna <laughs> That's why Yulia didn't want to do this far. Yeah, what did you just <laughs> now I realize. Okay. Uh, Shemizumori region. Shemizumori, I don't think. Shemizumori Perfect. region of Japan. Which I'm definitely. I think it's more Shimizumori. Okay, so you're an, you're also an expert on Japanese cuisine as well as African. Is that right? I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm an expert on Japanese accent. It's different. And where is this region of Japan? In the northern part of Orange. <laughs> And how long has it's, it been cultivated there, Gerardo? Expert on Japanese <laughs> cuisine. For almost 400 years. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. It's almost like you're reading from a script. <laughs> anyway, overall, some of the biggest producer countries for pepper include Ethiopia, Vietnam, Brazil, Indonesia, and India. So production is actually quite spread around um, the whole globe. Um, but of course, Europe is uh, an importer of pepper. Yeah. And you can see that this fact that from a European perspective, it seems like pepper comes from places that are very far away. Uh, you can see it in a saying that we actually have in German. So when someone is really annoying or you don't like them at all, you can say you wish they went where the pepper grows. Wow. So very far away. That's a great phrase. I'm definitely going to incorporate that into life. There's a very salty uh, phrase in Italian. That peppery, I peppery phrase. The peppery <laughs> phrase that I, can, I cannot repeat, but I am sure our Italian listener <laughs> are thinking about that. Wow, Jordan is really chuckling to himself. It must be really yeah. <laughs> dodgy. Wow, really spicy. Work. Yeah, spicy in, in, a, in a particular part of the <laughs> human body. Anyway. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay, uh, let's quickly move on and yes. say that pepper is actually very popular around the world. It's uh, the world's most traded spice. Um, and it's also one of the spices that are most regularly used in cuisines around the world. Um, and finally, I thought we could end today with uh, something fun. So I brought a little riddle that I found, which is about pepper. And it was actually written by an English bishop back in the 7th century, when pepper was so valuable that it was sometimes even used as a currency. My goodness. So here goes. I'm black on the outside, clad in a wrinkled cover, yet within I bear a burning marrow. I season delicacies, the banquets of kings, and the luxuries of the table, both the sauces and the tenderized meats of the kitchen. But you will find me in no quality of any worth unless your bowels have been rattled by my gleaming marrow. Wow, imagine having your bowels rattled by gleaming marrow. <laughs> is that what this Italian saying is about? 
Is it, Jordan? That's that's a, that's a strong uh, end for the, the podcast. Wow. So that's all from us this week. This week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractiv's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna, Natasha Foot, and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Abby Chiori. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms that includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from Euractiv's AgriFood team. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. <laughs>